0: How are we doing, gang? It is Monday night. So, what are you going to do on a Monday night, six o'clock? You are going to listen to the Britpop show, obviously. Welcome, everybody. Did you have snow this morning? We had a good two inches, as is my uh, usual. Snow, then sun. Now, what did we do last week? We had 20 years, 25 years since Shed 7. So, let's start with some Shed 7. Once
1: you've got to let the feeling flow.
0: thing here is above board move on no need to dally that was ocean pie by shed seven requested by paul that's right paul in america and he wanted it last week but couldn't couldn't have it so you know um because you know i couldn't have it last week because we were doing 25 years of shed seven a maximum high just had a message in love it when i get a message during the show it's from dave o I just discovered the Britpop show last week. This is my first time listening live from the US. Huge Britpop fan. Could you play some suede for me? Maybe my insatiable one. You know what? We will play you some suede, but before we do that, do you, Dave, know any, anything about the Supernaturals? The Supernaturals were signed to Parlophone and they were from Glasgow. Parlophone, of course, were that label that signed Supergrass. So they were signed to Parlophone, they were a Glasgow band, and they were signed in May 96, They re- and they released their debut album, It Doesn't Matter Anymore, to critical and commercial success in May 1997, and it reached number nine in the UK charts. The lineup consisted of James McCall, singer and guitarist. You had Derek McManus, bassist, Mark Guthrie and drummer Gavin Crawford and also keyboardist Ken McAlpine now would you like to hear my interview with the Supernaturals it's a rhetorical question because you can't respond in time so what I'm going to do is I'm going to play you the first part we've got about five or six parts but this is the first part and this is asking them how they got how they started and how their name came about this is the Supernaturals
2: (laughs) The band started because me and Derek and Gavin, the drummer, Derek's the other guitarist, we all started playing guitars together when we were sort of teenagers. And once one of us got a guitar, the other one got one. Derek got a, I got a, um, he got a Tokai, he got this really beautiful blue Tokai guitar. Anyway, I know that. He went out and did a lot of gardening work and saved up and bought this Tokai. And then we had a drum machine, my boss TR. Two or something like that, and uh, we Gav. That was terrible. So eventually, Gav had to kind of learn the drums. So we, we just kind of took it from there. We were all friends. We all went to school together. Basically, at first, the band was just the kind of band that would like you know play in rehearsal rooms. We we didn't really do any gigs, and we just go to a rehearsal room for a, a Saturday afternoon and just play cover versions. And I would I would steal songs and pretend I'd written them. Uh, <laughs> There's a Smokey Robinson song called Come Round Here, You're the One That I Need. Which I stole and changed a couple of words and they hadn't heard this song. <laughs> and they thought it was amazing. <laughs> so that uh, we played that for about a year and then I think somebody rumbled it. Somebody's <laughs> parents said, that's a Smokey Robinson song and it's got the same words. So kind of that was how we kind of went on. We just kind of bumbled along like that and never really took it. We took it kind of seriously, but not that seriously. And... Um, Eventually, we went to a place called Split Level in Edinburgh and started uh, recording there because Mark's brother, he was in another band and he said, you can go to this place and they put all your instruments in different rooms and then you can like play live and you sing live. So that was much more our style. We kind of really liked that. And once we started doing that, we kind of became addicted to going through to Edinburgh to this wee studio beside the airport. And um recording over and over again and eventually we'd lots and lots of songs recorded and were really good. And we made a, a cassette up and that was us. We kinda that's uh, once we made the cassette, which was called Big Seven, we then knew we had to try and sell them somewhere. So we just started doing gigs to try and sell the, the cassettes and it kinda snowballed from there. Well it didn't snowball, it took two or three years but it took a bit of time, you know. And why Supernaturals? Well, again, that's a bit like the Smokey Robinson thing with the comrade here. Uh, Because we used to play uh, Supernatural thing by uh, Benny King. And I think I might have passed that off as one of my own as well. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I basically just uh, didn't even change the words. (laughs) Might have changed the verse. So we played that for a while. And then we started using it as our intro music. But for some reason that just became the name of the band I'm not really sure why we stuck with that name but we, we just quite liked it you know
1: yeah had
3: I think I must be turning to God country but the, the
2: problem there was that every time we go and play a gig somewhere Uh, the promoter would maybe get his daughter to put up draw a poster up (laughs) and it would always be like a ghost or a ghost train or scooby-doo or something under the name so it started to get really annoying after a while but you grew you outgrew it though yeah yeah well it's just like anything else the fans names just kind of become kind of like synonymous with the band saying don't they you know for most bands you, you don't think about the name anymore do you sort yeah of, i mean look just... at oasis
0: and blur in fact i was talking i was talking to mark morris last week and he was talking about the beatles if you think about it hard enough the beatles is is a terrible name i said to him well actually john lennon he changed the it was beatles b-e-e and he changed it to b-e-a because it was like beat as in like a drum yeah. and he said yeah so even worse it's just a terrible pun
2: Once you become a name and it becomes established and everybody knows who you are it just like sticks to you, it's like yeah. Doesn't matter what you're called after a while. Yeah. I mean, Madness, Madness have got the worst name ever, but their music's great. You have know, I, or was that Dodgy? Well, I quite like Dodgy. Oh. When you're talking there about uh, Blur, I think the guy who ran our record label, Andy Ross, he used to like have a whole list of bands' names that he would give them and tell them they had to <laughs> change their name, but he never said that to us. <laughs> he said that. I'm not going to change your name James and he just kind of like left it for some reason so there you go
0: there you go (laughs) because Blur were were changed weren't they they were Seymour isn't
2: it? that's right yeah Yeah. and I'm pretty sure Andy had I'm pretty sure he tried to sign Dodgy and he probably had a name a different name for them
0: James McCall there with the first part of the interview that we're going to run for the rest of the show. That's The Supernaturals. And if you liked the music in the background, the first one was Lazy Lover off their debut album. And then it was The Day Before Yesterday's Man. So those those are the songs playing in the background. Now, it is 25 years since Ocean Colour Scene released the iconic album, uh, Mosley Shoals, but we're doing the Supernaturals interview this week, so I'm gonna have to do 25 years since next week. But I couldn't let it pass without a quick nod to it. And here's some day we caught the train.
3: Never saw it as the start. Small change of
4: heart. I laid my plans in solid rock Stepping through the door like a troubadour While I'm just an hour away looking at the trees on the roadside Feeling it's a holiday Bride day.
0: the train by ocean color scene like i say more about them next week because it's 25 years since they released mosley shoals and that deserves a little nod doesn't it now if you've missed any of the shows i've had a message from dave o saying i'm not too familiar with the supernaturals i'm always interested in discovering new bands i missed back in the 90s thanks so if you've missed any of these shows though they're available on a podcast we are available on Apple Music and Amazon Music, or if you just want to go on the old World Wide Web, it is RSS, the Britpop show. You do that and all the episodes. There's about 20 episodes now. They're all there. And if you remember last week, I was excited because on Amazon Music, I was about 45th in the charts. Well, I got very excited because because I got, it was 45th and then I rose to 22 in the charts immediately after asking you guys to go out and help me out and download it. I was very excited. I thought, oh, I might get top 20. And then I completely crashed out of the charts. No, idea where I am now what can you do oh well it was good while it lasted in the meantime should we hear a bit more from the Supernaturals yeah let's do it I just wanted to tell you I came to see you guys once at a gig in Reading I don't know whether you remember it but it was probably 99 2000 around that time and we turned up and it was a reasonably big venue and there was only about 20 people turned up and you guys were like right sometimes these gigs are the best ones and you said we'll just play whatever the hell you want us to play. Do you know what? I don't remember that. We were shouting out stuff, and so I shouted out trees because I really love that song. Right. And you were like, "Yeah, we'll play trees." And I was like, "Yes, great." So you started playing trees, and then you went back to the set list and played another song. And afterwards, you went, uh, "Do you know what? We shouldn't. I shouldn't play that song after trees because the chords are virtually identical." Really, <laughs> oh, right, right, right. And <laughs> So you were like, oh, I "Shouldn't, I shouldn't really have done that." I don't want And what you probably also don't remember, it was kicking off a bit. There was a guy who was quite drunk, and he was kicking off a bit. And then you you were up on stage, and you stole a line, I think, from Jerry Sadowitz, where you said, 10 million sperm, and you had to be the quickest. <laughs> but you know what? I don't remember this
2: at all. <laughs> I remember playing in the uh, Reading, and uh, where was it? It was a kind of like... Uh it was a, it was like a big pub and they had Newcastle United playing Liverpool which was like quite a famous match in the 95 or 96 yeah and everybody watched that and then we played
0: this gig and it was quite quiet but, but i can't remember this gig but this at all. was this was on a stage and the, what was funny was it didn't appear that there was a green room at the back so you had to walk in from the back of the venue through the crowd to get onto the stage and what happened was you did your set and you you'd had a go at this bloke you know 10 million sperm you had to be the quickest and then you came off stage and when you came back on to do your encore he tried to start a fight with you as you were making your way back on the stage (laughs) i don't remember I must um, just have blanked out. And was there a fight? No, I think, I think the bouncer stepped in. Because I think, you know, obviously when you're up on stage and you've got these big burly bouncers in front of you, you can say what you yeah. want, can't you? And normally you go out yeah. the back, don't you? But I think you've just forgotten yeah. that you were going to have to walk through the Hi. crowd. Always, always got to have a good fight at a gig, haven't you? That was James McColl, lead singer of The Supernaturals, and the song in the background was Trees. Did you see what I did there? I was talking about the song Trees, and it was playing in the background, almost like I meant it. Now, we played some Ocean Colour Scene, had a message from Ed saying, Ocean Colour Scene at Gloucester Leisure Centre, and he saw them there with a special guest, only Paul Weller. Now, can you believe 11th of April, 1994... So 27 years ago, the following song came out.
3: It's from the 1990s.
1: Done it with the doctor.
0: oasis with supersonic 27 years ago it reminds me of being at university it reminds me of my mate paul he tried to go and see he said oh there's this new band called oasis they've released this brilliant song called supersonic and he went to go and try and see them at the princess charlotte in leicester and couldn't get in and he was like oh well just some band I never heard never heard of what can you do b-sides on that or take me away I will believe and the white label demo of Columbia not bad for an opening single is it not bad at all right so what have we done there we've had we've had a bit of oasis because it's 27 years since that happened I know we're celebrating 27 years now rather than 25 I think it's time for a bit more from the supernaturals don't you For me, that's a top five gig, just because we were shouting out songs and you guys were playing them. It was great, and in fact, I was so impressed with you guys because this guy shouted out—I don't know if it's called Hank Williams or Honk Williams—it's the B-side to Lazy Lover. Honk Williams, yeah, yeah. And he shouted that out, and you guys just launched into it and played it, it. and I was like, these guys are amazing. Suddenly,
3: the whole sky lit up spacecraft and an alien standing at the door. He was dressed just like Hank Williams. He had a Stetson hat and eyes like a cat. And I was on my knees praying to the Lord.
2: We used to be able to do that though. That was our that was our thing. We never really had set lists in the early days of the band, and we used to just we used to just make our set lists up from what we like thought about would be good to play that day sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, we didn't write it out on. on we did after uh, a while because people said, "Does you have to do this?" But we didn't think it was. We didn't really think it was rock and roll. <laughs> but actually, it was just, it's a good idea. <laughs> Because as you say, when you do one song like uh, say, trees, and then you do another one like maybe Eddie or something that's got virtually the same chords, uh, it's pretty kind of it's not a good it's not a good move. But but we yeah we used to do it all the time. We used to just throw songs in and try and uh, keep ourselves on our toes. And sometimes it was it really worked, but other times it was
0: really terrible. <laughs> but that's but I mean that's a B side and it's a great song. <laughs> But and you just pulled it out, you're just like, Yeah, okay. I can understand album tracks, but B sides. Yeah.
2: Yeah, well it's an easy song to play, it's only got three chords, so we weren't exactly it wasn't exactly weather report. You
0: know what I mean? Yeah, but even even remembering the lyrics, you
3: know. <laughs> Crap
2: The reason that that song came up is because in uh, in Falkirk, it must have been about 95 or 96. There was all these sightings of aliens, uh, and that that sparked the song. Just if you actually did meet an alien, I think it would like do your head in for the rest of your life. It wouldn't be a particularly sort of illuminating experience. So, so that's that's where we got the idea for the song from.
0: Now, if you like that song, it's called Honk Williams by The Supernaturals. Do you want to hear it again? Well, you can't go to Spotify because it's not on Spotify. That is the way we roll on this show. That is right. We are playing songs that you can't get anywhere else. That is the B-side. I think it's the B-side to Lazy Lover. Absolutely love it. Heard it for the first time. And that gig I was talking about, that gig that I told him that I went to in Reading and about 10 people turned up. Uh, And they just played it. Just smashed it out of the park. Right, we need to talk a little bit about Twitter. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so via Twitter. It's at the Britpop Show. I know, couldn't be easier. At the Britpop Show. And my favourite person on Twitter, Crispin Hunt. He's always he's loving he's loving it when I when I get in contact with him. He said, in the last year, one thousand eight hundred artists have achieved more than ten million streams, according to BPI Music. But he said, do the sums, 10 million times 0.004, which is what you get for streaming, is $40,000. The major labels take 80% of that, so they take $32,000. The artists therefore take 20%, so that's $8,000 to the artists. The manager then takes 20%, which is 1,600, leaving the artist with $6,400 for 10 million streams. If you're a four-man band, that's $1,600 each, or if in pounds, $1,167 for getting 10 million streams. He wants to fix it. He wants to do it via broken record. If only he'd come on the show and talk to me about it. I'm sure he will one day. Who knows? Right, the other thing that we need to celebrate is that on the 7th of April, 1997, This song was released April 97. So April seems like a good year for release of songs. This is Blur's probably most famous song.
3: Coming up, top tunes and
2: great banter. Well, maybe on the banter, but the tunes are good.
0: not going to catch me out with the end of that song that is song two by blur and do you know what somewhat pleasingly that song lasts for two minutes and two seconds and it reached number two in the uk single charts and also made number two in the australian radio station triple j's hottest 100 in 1997 it was kept off the top by an aussie band called the whitlam's and it it was uh, first performed in june 1996 at a festival in Sweden, and Damon said, I don't know what it's called, I don't even know what it's about, because I haven't really written it yet. At the moment, it's called Song Number 2, and the lyrics are gibberish, but the producer quite liked that sort of stream of consciousness kind of idea about the uh, the lyrics, and so despite the fact they don't mean anything, he allowed it, which is a bit unusual, the lyrics being uh, a bit nonsense. And I was just before the show, I was just having a look at uh, the Brit Awards from 1997, and Alan Partridge see that was up for the best British video and Alan Partridge introduced it and other artists in that category you had Late in the Day by the, by Supergrass Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve and Spice Girls, Spice Up Your Life how on earth did song 2 not win guess what won it All Saints, Never Ever. What? How is that possible? Right, we were just talking about Crispin Hunt. He's the chairman of the Ivor Novello Awards. And he, uh, This, of course, we're talking about the Supernaturals. And Supernaturals, their song Smile was up for an Ivor Novello. Do you want to hear about what happened that day? How they got completely wasted? Yes, you do. Just back to Smile, just quickly. Yeah. How annoyed were you with the Verve when they got the Ivor Novello and you didn't? Uh, Well... (sighs) It was kind of a funny
2: day because we were really kind of feeling a wee bit class before we even got there. I was giving Ken driving lessons in the car park that morning <laughs> in Oxford. <laughs> we'd hired this Toyota car from Arnold Clark and Ken couldn't drive. So man, we'd driven down from Glasgow, me, Alan and Ken, and I was giving him driving lessons. And we drove down to Kensington to this spike. Hotel and Jerry, our manager, told us that we had to hide the car, <laughs> so we parked the car about three hundred yards away, and uh, got, got a taxi to the to the hotel, and I went in, and it was just full of all these music business people like Morrissey and Sting and the guy from the Verve and so on, and uh, so they, they, they put our song on, and you were just looking at looking around the room at all these people listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> the guy from hot chocolate but i was kind of sitting looking at him and he was just like nonplussed he was just like staring me but staring me out you know? did you say so this isn't our best one by the way <laughs> i should have said errol that's it's not our best we can do better but um but i the verve won it or did they win it or was it i can't remember yeah it was no it was the the
0: radio. i think it was drugs don't work wasn't it was it all yes. right yes. okay yeah.
2: By the time it got announced, Alan and Ken had been drinking so much champagne that they thought they were going to win it. anyway. They were standing
0: up, collector awards. <laughs> well, you can't remember this gig you played where I was at, so I'm not surprised you can't remember the, the, that that awards. <laughs> well,
2: but I So no. It yeah. was uh, yeah, it would have been good if we'd won it, but um, but you know it was quite good getting nominated. You know, it's yeah. uh, quite a big deal. Yeah, getting nominated for an Ivor Novello. I, see, right? I mean, yeah. the song just kind of came about in a. It was just a rehearsal room. We were sitting in a rehearsal room and Ken came up with some chords and I came up with some chords and we just kind of like jammed it out in the room and then I went away and wrote some words that night and came back in the next day and that was the song. We knew it was quite good. The original version of it had a... We were quite big fans of the Boo Radleys and it had this um, vocal that was through a phaser. So it sounded really sort of 60s and phased and distorted. So when we actually did record it, um, we had to take all that kind of, like, stuff off to try and make it more commercial and, and so on. Yeah. But the other thing was that, the, like, radio stations, like Radio 1, they wouldn't play it at first because they said it took too long to get to the chorus, you know? like
0: <laughs> They should try Out those... the Junction by Squeeze.
2: You write the whole song exa- for the chorus. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it was, like, a bit... took about a minute to get to the chorus. But nowadays, the chorus is always, like, straight away in these songs on Radio yeah. 1, do you
0: know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, well, it's like Franz Ferdinand, wasn't it? They... They just stuck it all at the front, didn't they? With that that take me out. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah, with take me out, yeah.
0: yeah. Nowadays. No one cares what it's about nowadays, do they? We want to know what was happening in the 90s, and we all know what was happening in the 90s. Some damn good music. Better than the 70s. In fact, I've said, actually, you can jump from the 70s to the 90s because the 80s were nonsense. But anyway, it would be rude after that interview not to play a bit of Drugs Don't Work, see what actually won the Ivan Novello. So here it is.
4: All this talk of getting old It's getting me down, my love Like a cat in a bag Waiting to drown This time I'm coming down And I hope you're thinking of me As you lay down on your side Now the trucks don't work They just make you worse But I See your face again. Now the trucks don't work, and they just make you worse. But I know I'll see your face again. But I know I'm on the losing streak. As I And if you want to show Then just let me know And I'll sing in your ear again Now the trucks don't work They just make you worse But I know I'll see your face again this baby
0: you don't want to see again. That was The Drugs Don't Work by The Verve. The Verve, of course, won the Ivor Novello ahead of Smile by The Supernaturals. And we are interviewing this week James McColl from The Supernaturals who's given us some pretty good tips about what they were, what they were doing around that time. Mainly getting drunk and not remembering, uh, not remembering their gigs, I think. Should we have a bit more from The Supernaturals? I think we should. I asked them in particular i always ask bands this uh, i ask them usually what their favorite Britpop pop song is and also what their favorite song is so do you want to hear what they came up with why not how early on did smile come along smile was kind of like we started kind of gigging
2: a lot and touring about 1993 which would have been summer of 93 we started going away up into the highlands and playing a lot of concerts up there we had a pa system and we'd go and hire fans and stuff and we'd head off on a Friday night and come back on the Sunday. And we did that, but Smile didn't Smile didn't really figure for about three years. I think we wrote it, it must have been about ninety five or early ninety six. So we had been kind of touring and doing lots of little EPs and sort of mini albums and stuff ourselves, maybe about three years before we wrote Smile. So that was quite a quite a while,
0: you know. Yeah. And when you wrote it, did you know how good it was? No, I didn't. Uh, It's still still not my favourite Supernatural song, I have to be honest. Well, do you know what? One of my my questions is, what is your favourite Supernatural song? (laughs) Well, it's not Smile, anyway. Go on,
2: what Uh, is it? uh, My favourite one would... I I don't know, because, uh, you know, if you want to be pretentious about it, I remember that guy uh, from Radiohead saying one day that all his songs were
0: his children
2: probably from that era my favourite song would have been a song called Dung
0: Beetle did you uh, see me pushing him on it yeah I hope so yeah it was uh, that was an interview with uh, James McColl and we've had a message in from Steve saying no previous knowledge of the band but good interview, David I'll check them out later now this goes out to Liz who is also Scottish I understand Liz loves a bit of James and a bit of sit down here it is I
4: sing myself to sleep so.
0: weddings and they were well, all sat down pathetic i know that one goes out to liz who is scottish as well so must be loving this supernaturals interview and presumably understanding all of it didn't you love it with well, the way they james the lead singer said blur amazing also we did quite a good cockney accent as well i was quite impressed with him also um, ali says uh, it reminds me of when i was a kid and my sister loved it and used to sit down and do a funny dance not that funny but a message from Bok loving the show cracking interview thank you Bok where have you been do you want to hear what the Supernatural's favourite Britpop song was I asked this of all my interviewees so we may as well we're the Britpop show so what's your favourite Britpop song Um it's probably be something like Good
2: Enough by Dodgy or something like that you know I really like that song I like the drums the drums are like I Believe in Miracles by the Jackson sisters if you ever heard that yeah it's a great song yeah, and a wee bit of uh, Your Love Has Left Me Higher and Higher by Jackie Wilson. So it's kind of like a mixture of those things. And it's sort of positive singing and stuff. I, I really like uh, Good Enough. I used to really like a lot of the, the, the music from that era. Just when you're thinking things over with the charlatans. Mm. Maybe In Between Us by Sleeper, and Beetlebum, something like that. Just lots of really good songs. Most most of the bands had some cracking songs. You know, It was a very sort of singles orientated era.
0: Yeah, and, and that's great. That's why we're on the Brick Pop show. We got a lot of people, you know, still obviously loving that era. And, you know, you guys being part of it, it must have been must have been amazing.
2: Yeah. I mean, we were fans. We we used to go and see Dodgy. Actually, we went to see Dodgy and King Tut's in about 1993. Me, Derek and Mark, we'd bought the first album, you know, what's it called just the Dodgy album with Water Under the Bridge and all that stuff on it. Yeah. So we were kind of fans of theirs. And uh, there was only about 10 people at that concert and we gradually, we went to see them more, went to see them a couple of times and then they just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then eventually we ended up playing a couple of gigs
0: in them, which was really good, you know. Did he say good enough by dodgy? I think he did. I think we therefore ought to play it. This is Good Enough by Dodgy. And if you are regulars to the show, you will know that we had Nigel Clark live in the studio. And if you missed it, it's available on the podcast. If you didn't miss it, you can still hear it again. But in the meantime, this is Good Enough by Dodgy. Anon, where have you been? Anon has just joined us saying tune and Mrs. Anon is singing along too. I know, what can we do? We just uh, create an atmosphere, a Britpop bubble, if you will, that everybody is unwilling to leave. If you're out on the town tonight, make sure you stay wrapped up because it's going to be cold, isn't it? But this is, I'm going to play the last bit of my interview with the Supernaturals. Listen carefully on this because there's a great song in the background. second album, it's got some really really good songs on that, I really love the second album, I think it's easily as good as the first, yeah. but it didn't quite do the same thing for you, did it?
2: No, it didn't um, We, I'm not really sure why that was, because things like Everest and Built to Get Up and Sheffield's song were all really good singles, country you know music I mean? so Yeah, yeah, we, there was lots of good songs, it was quite a diverse record as well, and it was maybe a wee bit more 90s, you know, it had a lot of electronics on it and stuff like that whereas the first album was very 60s sounding you know sort of new wave sounding so i don't know just it's just fashion there's not much you can do about these things
3: My
1: love
0: for you is ever, Everest, <coughs> love the lyrics on Everest, really <laughs> Just love them uh, It's just a bit at the end
2: Yeah, well we recorded that song in Glasgow And we were kind of like We needed something for the end of the song And none of us could do the big board Playing the guitar or anything like that So I just, uh, I've got an idea uh, <laughs> I was, when I was younger, I was in this guy called Bobby Womack, and he always used to do these talking bits before his songs. So we'd do a kind of rap, like a churchy rap talk, and then he'd play the song. And But we did it the other way around. We did the song and then did the kind of rap at the end, and sort shouting about the superstores. And it was all just off the cuff. I would They would just say, like, think of something else, and I would go, OK, and we just... We didn't have any written-out lyrics. He's bigger than like, Birmingham. I said, exactly. They'd, <laughs> that cracked a few people up at the time, but but yeah. The first weekend we kinda were trying to make a parody of a record by like you know I want to know what love is or something. Like that. One of those A and records in the 80s. Uh, so I went down to Tower Records during the recording and we bought a whole load of these records, by REO Speedwagon, and we listened to them all and just we just put it together in the studio and we did it. We started off as a sort of spoof, but by the end of it, we thought this is actually really good, and it was it sort of crossed between serious. It was kind of serious but spoofy as well. It was I don't know. It's quite a good, quite a good song all day.
0: Supernaturals playing Everest off their second album dedicated to anybody listening in Birmingham. My love for you is bigger than an elephant or bigger than a minibus. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it as ever.